Romans chapter 10, please. And I want to focus particularly upon the opening verse of Romans chapter 10. There the Apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 10, and the opening verse, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. If you uh, are going through uh, Robert Murray McShane's Bible readings, you, like myself, would have read this portion of Scripture a number of days ago. And as I read that verse, it gripped my heart. And yes, I've read it many times before and perhaps heard men preaching upon it, but certainly it came with freshness to my own heart and with the Lord's help, I want us to look at this verse together this morning. And there we see, I believe, Paul's desire for the Jews. Now we know the epistle to the Romans is a letter or a book which deals with that great doctrine of justification. And let me just share with you the answer to the 33rd question found in our shorter catechism. Of course, the question is asked, what is justification? And there the answer given is, justification is an act of God's free grace, wherein he pardoneth all our sins and accepteth us as righteous in his sight only for the righteousness of Christ imputed to us and received by faith alone. And you know, believer, this morning, that speaks of your position and my position in the Lord Jesus Christ. That that moment in time, whenever we came as a sinner and we were given the grace to believe and to repent of our sins, God declared you and I to be just, as if we had never sinned. And that is all because of his free grace, whereby all of our sins, they were pardoned because of Christ's sacrifice for us, that we were accepted in his presence as righteous only for Christ's righteousness. Not for our own righteousnesses, because as Isaiah correctly tells us our own righteousnesses are as filthy rags in the sight of God. And that's why the sinner needs to listen because the sinner cannot get into heaven by their own righteousnesses. As Isaiah tells us, they are as filthy rags in God's sight. And of course, that righteousness is received by faith alone. There's no other way that we as sinners can be saved but by faith alone in Christ alone. And so in this epistle, Paul expounds this great doctrine and central truth of the gospel. And in chapters 9, 10, and 11 of Romans, he deals with the aspects of the gospel and this aspect of justification in in relation to the people of Israel. And of course, Paul's speaking of Israel here. He's speaking of his desire for Israel. And I trust that as we look at this verse together this morning that the words of the apostle here will be true of you and me. 
So as we think of Paul's desire for the Jews this morning, I want you to notice firstly with me that Paul, he was a man with a burden for the Jews. He was a man with a burden for the Jews. Chapter 9 of the Gospel, or the book of Romans, Paul focuses upon Israel's rejection of the Gospel. And then in chapter 10, he focuses on Israel's failure to submit to the righteousness of God. And then in chapter 11, he dealt with Israel's rejection, which was neither total or final. And whenever I read this verse in Romans 10, verse 1, I cannot help but be struck by the fact that here was a man with a burden. And you and I as believers, we are to have a burden. As you think of the up-and-coming gospel mission, can I ask you, do you have a burden for the people of Korean? Do you have a burden for those in your family circles? Do you have a burden for those in your school or your university or your workplace who are not saved? You listen to the words that he uses here. He says, brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. There's nothing complicated about this verse. Nothing which none of us can understand or fail to understand about this verse because he bears his heart here, I believe, to his fellow believers. And certainly he was a man with a burden. Now, if you look back with me to the opening verses of the previous chapter, chapter 9. <clears throat> of course, you know Paul's writing to the church that was at Rome. He's writing to believers. And here he says in Romans 9, verse 1, he says, I say the truth in Christ, I lie not, my conscience also bearing witness in the Holy Ghost, that I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart. For I could wish that myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen according to the flesh, who are Israelites, to whom pertaineth the adoption and the glory and the covenants and the giving of the law and the service of God and the promises. And there again we see the, the burden of this great apostle. He says, I have great heaviness and continual sorrow. Those words there, great heaviness, they speak of or they signify his continual sorrow. This wasn't something which came and went away again, but this was something that remained with the apostle. Then those words there, uh, great or continual sorrow, those words continual sorrow come from a word in the original uh, Greek meaning to, to, to go down, to be set down. And of course a burden is something which weighs you and I down. You go to lift a weight, you can feel it seeking to bring you down. Of course as Christians we have burdens, perhaps the burden of our own lack of faith, the burden of our own lack of love for the Saviour, and that weighs us down. And here Paul was speaking of a burden that he had for his fellow Jews. And it was something which caused him to have great 
uh, great grief. This was something that really got to the very core of the apostle's heart. And of course, that was because I believe he was a man of God. He was a man who was once like his fellow Jew, but now as a believer, as the mighty apostle, he was a man in whom the spirit of the Lord was dwelling and a man who had been given a vision. But not just a vision, but a burden. Of course, that's what we need as believers. That's what a, a church needs for the community in which it's placed. It needs a vision. And it needs a burden. And certainly, here was a man with a burden. Because the Jews, as a nation, they were outside of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. They were those who had not been born again. They were those who had rejected the Messiah. And they were under God's judgment. But yet, Paul had a burden for his fellow Jews. Do you have a desire for your fellow Protestants, your Roman Catholic neighbors, and people of other religious backgrounds that perhaps have moved in? Because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what a person's background may be, if they're lost, no matter what their religious background, they need Christ. And it's Christ is the answer. He always has been. And he always will be. And that's who the evangelist will be preaching about whenever he comes in the will of the Lord. He'll be preaching Christ. And even though Israel had rejected, the vast majority of them had rejected Christ, yet Paul still had a burden for them. And Paul was placed by the Lord in that day to reach not just the Jew but the Gentile. Of course, we know in his epistles he says how he was sent to the Gentiles but of course his heart lay for his own kith and kin in Israel. And I trust that that is true of you and me this morning, brethren and sisters. Because Israel were a people that had been blessed by God for centuries. Let me bring that closer to home this morning. Sinner, you've been blessed by God. You could say with the hymn writer to count your many blessings and name them one by one. And it will surprise you what God has done. And yet here you are today perhaps sitting in God's house or watching online and you're not saved. Well, my desire and prayer for you is that you would be saved. That you would not come and put your trust in a preacher or in a church, but in the Lord Jesus Christ, the one whom Paul preached about, the one whom Paul spoke about. Because if you look at Romans 10 and verse 2, he says, For I bear them record, he bears his fellow Jews record, that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. You see, that's what the sinner does. They seek to go and earn favor or earn merit with God by being religious or being good living and trying to establish their own righteousness, as Paul says here. Of course, you could be somebody who's very religious somebody who's very pious and on the outside morally upright. 
But that's not enough. It never has been enough, and it never will be enough. Because you're seeking to go to establish your own righteousness. But notice there, he says, they have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. Of course, that righteousness only comes by faith alone in Christ alone. Through repentance and through faith in Christ. If you turn with me to the book of Philippians, those very well-known words of the Apostle Paul to the church at Philippi, in Philippians chapter 3. He was speaking there in Romans 10 about the zeal of the Jews. But notice here what he says of himself in Philippians 3, chapter 3, or chapter 3, verse 3. For we are the circumcision which worship God in the Spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man think, thinketh that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more, circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, and Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law, a Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. And there Paul testifies of what his life once was. He was a man who rejoiced in the fact that he could trace his lineage right back to the tribe of Benjamin. He was, as he identifies himself, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, a Pharisee concerning the law. And of course, we know the Pharisees were those who were one of the main protagonists in the life and ministry of our Lord Jesus Christ. And what the Lord Jesus Christ said of those Pharisees were, he called them hypocrites. Not just because they were living a double life, but because they were evil workers. Oh yes, on the outside they looked to be very upright and very moral and very pious. But inwardly, there was nothing but death and decay. as we think of what Paul says there about what he once was. Verse 6 there, he says, concerning zeal, persecuting the church. You see, being a zealous Pharisee, he thought he was doing the Lord's work by going and persecuting the Christians, by arresting them, by beating them, by closing down their meetings, by even consenting to their death. As he was standing there, as he witnessed the death of Stephen, the first Christian martyr, he was under the, the guise or the impression that he was doing God's work. But yet, his zeal was misplaced. Just as the zeal of the Jews was misplaced. It was a false zeal. You, know, you and I, we can get so worked up and we can have a zeal for so many things. So many people get zealous and worked up over sports. So many people can get zealous and worked up over that dreaded word politics, can't we? And yet, how many of us have a zeal for the things of God? You know, I 
seen there last, was it last weekend? Uh, people were staying up to watch the American Super Bowl. And I came across some video clips of reactions to the final result on social media. And I couldn't believe what I was witnessing because some people, they must have gambled a lot of money on their team to win. And those who lost money, they just went daft. They started wrecking all around them. Why? Because their zeal was misplaced. Their zeal was for their team to win, for them to pocket perhaps thousands of dollars. But yet whenever it didn't go their way, they just lost their head and went mad. You know, we can get very much worked up over things like that, can't we? In our own circumstances and in our own lives. Perhaps when things don't go the way we want it. And we lose the head, as, as we would say, in this part of the world. But here, Paul, he had a burden because they had a false seal. Oh, yes, many of the Jews, they were very religious in going to the temple and seeking to obey the law the best they could. But, of course, the law cannot save. Being religious, being an upright person will not save anybody. And of course, whenever Paul's seen his fellow Jews going about seeking to be religious, it broke his heart. I wonder, is your heart broken, believer? Whenever you see the multitudes traversing our towns and our cities. Whenever I go to the John Knox on a Sunday morning, I see the people going into the betting offices or betting shops, see them going into the public houses, see them going anywhere and anywhere but the, the house of God, a place which is known for its loyalism and its Protestantism, but they're certainly not gospel greedy. It's heartbreaking. Is that how you feel for the people of Korean? Does it break your heart? Does it even bring tears to your eyes when you see men and women traversing the road to hell? Paul was a man with a burden. And you and I need to have such a burden. He had a zeal for God. Oh yes, he had a zeal that once before was wrong. A zeal for persecuting Christians. But now as a Christian, he had a desire for many more to come to Christ and be saved. He had a zeal for many more to become Christians. Hence why he says, My heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. So there we notice first of all that he had a burden for the Jews. Notice here secondly that he was a man who shared his burden for the Jews. Because here he writes to the, the church and he says, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. You see, he had a burden, but he didn't keep it to himself. And I believe that the men in the session here didn't just, it wasn't just one individual that had a burden, but it was the, the collective group of the session had a burden to reach out. And that's good. And may the Lord bless that mission. 
May the Lord answer your prayers for that mission. But what did he do? He didn't, he didn't keep that burden to himself. But he shared it with the other believers at the church at Rome. Perhaps he was the, one, the man that was the catalyst for reaching out. Perhaps it was Paul coming to these other believers and saying to him, Look, look, brethren, I have this desire. What are we going to do about it? They need to be reached. Even though Israel had been rejecting the gospel, yet God in his mercy had his servants to go, willing to go, ready to go with the message. It was vital for you and I as believers, no matter what our gifts or our talents may be, that we have a burden for, for others. Notice there he said, Brethren, my heart's desire. You see, this was a burden which was born in his heart. And of course, it is only the Lord that can give such a burden. Do you have such a burden in your heart today, believer? Can you say with the apostle, it's my heart's desire. It's my heart's desire that they will be saved. In chapter 9 of Romans Paul spoke of the fact that salvation is the sovereign act of God. Jonah 2 and verse 9 tells us, and we know it very well, that salvation, it is of the Lord. But does that mean that we sit back and do nothing? Does that, sit, does that mean that we just say, well, God's sovereign, God will save his people in his time? Sadly, that's the attitude of some today. That God will save his people in his time and we don't need to do anything about it. We don't even need to pray about it. That's nonsense. Because here was a man who had been given a burden by the Lord to do what? To go and to reach and to preach. To go and to make Jesus Christ known. And that's what you and I are called to do. Whether it's in Coleraine or the Shankill Road or wherever the Lord has you or me. We are called to go and to reach them for Christ. Just as Jesus told the disciples in the Great Commission... Go ye into all the world and what to do. Make people religious know. Preach the gospel. Preach the gospel. I was reminded this, this week I was listening to a fellow brother preaching and uh, he was speaking upon the necessity of getting back to Christ-centered preaching. And he shared those words of Paul to Timothy in his message where Timothy was told by Paul to preach the word. And that English word, word in the original is the word logos. And if you want to go to John's gospel, chapter 1 and the verse 1, in the beginning was the word, the logos, Christ. There the apostle Paul said to his young son in the faith, Timothy, preach Christ. And here, he had a burden for his fellow Jews that they would be saved by Christ as well. And it was a burden that he had shared with his believers, fellow believers. Yes, he fully believed and was convinced of God's sovereignty and salvation, and so do we. But we also believe in the free offer. We also believe in the preaching of the gospel to every creature, just as our Savior commanded us. 
And then we let the Holy Spirit do his work. Because it's none of us that can create the anxious thought. And brethren and sisters, let us share that burden for our lost loved ones. Mention names in the prayer times. Ask others to pray for those whom you're burdened about. Let us collectively and unitedly seek the Lord for his blessing. Seek the Lord for his hand to save not just one or, one or two of the mission, but multitudes, because God is well able. Nothing is too hard for God, sure is not. Do we really believe that? Because nothing with God is impossible. That's why the questions asked in the Old Testament, is anything too hard for the Lord? No. Nothing's too hard for our God. The most hardened and wicked of sinners in cold rain can be saved. The most religious and upright person who thinks they're good enough, who thinks that they don't need to be saved, they can be saved too. But let us pray that God will save them. So we thought about the fact that Paul was a man with a burden for the Jews. He was a man who shared his burden for the Jews. But notice here, lastly, he was a man who prayed with a burden for the Jews. And of course, that's what, we, that's what we do in our prayer meetings, in our own personal times of devotion with the Lord. We pray because we have a burden. Yes, we come and we, we pray, praise the Lord for who he is and what he's done for us. But we also bring our petitions to the Lord as well. And we need to have that burden. Turn with me, please, to Proverbs chapter 29. <clears throat> Proverbs chapter 29, a very well-known verse. Very applicable for what we're considering this morning. Let us read together from verse number 15. Proverbs 29, verse 15. The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself bringeth his mother to shame. When the wicked are multiplied, transgression increaseth, but the righteous shall see their fall. Correct thy son, and he shall give thee rest. Yea, he shall give delight unto thy soul. Where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law happy is he. And that's the reality, men and women. People are perishing all around us. Souls are going out into eternity every day. But do we have a burden? Solomon asked the question, or made the statement, where there is no vision. And of course that means where there is no revealing of God's word, of God's truth, where there's no preaching of Christ, we could say, people perish. Of course it is only through the word of God that any one of us can come to a knowledge of the fact that we're sinners and we need to be saved. 
God's general revelation or creation does not reveal that unto us. It is only his special revelation, his word, that reveals that unto us. And that's why we believe in the centrality of the preaching of the word of God. Our denomination is a denomination which believes wholeheartedly in preaching Christ and him crucified. Because it is only through the preaching of Christ that souls are saved. Even though it's foolishness to some, even though it may be a stumbling block to others, we'll still keep preaching. We'll still uplift the, uplift the name of our Savior. Why? Because it is only through him that souls can be saved. That souls can be rescued from a lost eternity in hell. And Paul prayed about it. He says, my heart's desire. You see, it had to start in the heart. But it worked out in the fact that he prayed about it. He brought it to the Lord. He poured out his heart to the Lord. Like Hezekiah, when Rabshakeh and the Assyrians had surrounded Jerusalem, what did he do? He spread it before the Lord. Spread the mission before the Lord in prayer. Spread the matter of your loved ones before the Lord in prayer. And notice here, it's not too hard to know what he prayed for. That they might be saved. Very simple, but a necessary prayer. Oh yes, there's many things we need to pray for. People who are unwell. People who are downcast. People whose hearts are heavy, yes. But we need to pray for souls to be saved. And that's what Paul did. He prayed about it. He brought it before the Lord. And though that you and I would have such a burden for lost souls, this is something which none of us can work up in and of ourselves. None of us wants to pray crocodile tears, I know. But may the Lord break each and every one of our hearts for the lost in our communities, no matter what their religious background no matter what sins they are engaging in. Because whenever we look at our own hearts and our own lives, we certainly see how unworthy we are of God's salvation. And yet, whenever you think of the Apostle Paul, as Saul of Tarsus, a man who consented to murder, a man who arrested and beat Christians, but yet here he was as the Apostle, the church planter, the preacher of Christ, Praying with a burden, brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. Because he seen, he said that they were going to, or they were going about trying to make, them, make themselves right before God. But yet he knew from personal experience that just as he did, he needed and they needed to come to Christ. Let us pray with such a burden for such an answer to prayer that they would be saved. That was Paul's desire for the Jews. Is that your desire for the people of Korean? No matter their background, no matter their sin, I trust and pray that it is. May God bless his word to our hearts this morning. For Jesus' sake. Amen. Amen. Let us close our service by singing of the hymn number 669. Hark, tis the shepherd's voice I hear.
Uh, out in the desert, dark and drear, calling the lambs who've gone astray, far from the shepherd's fold today. If you've gone far from the shepherd's fold today, listen to the words of this hymn, how that we're told to bring them in. Bring them in from the fields of sin. Bring the wandering ones to Jesus. Perhaps if you're a wandering one this morning, come back to Christ. If you've never come to Christ, come to him now. Look to him and be saved. For his glory and honor alone. Amen. Let's stand and sing 600. <laughs>